river bank like a shroud it covers bleaker street fills the alleys where men sleep hides the shepherd from the Voices leaking from a sad cafe Smiling faces try to understand I saw a shadow touch a shadow's hand On bleaker street Crooked rhyme, holy, holy is his sacrament. Thirty dollars pays your rent on the Bleecker Street, the Paul Simon classic song sung by Richard Barone and also featuring the Kennedys. And that appeared on an album from Richard called Sorrows and Promises. And uh, Richard is uh, also involved in an event that's taking place at the Outpost in the Burbs, kind of based on this recording, or at least I think that may have uh, been the start of the idea. And we just happen to have with us today from his home, I guess, in Gretna's Village, Richard Barone. Yes. Hey there. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm in my home in Greenwich Village, right in the middle of, um, right on our Waverly Place, uh, actually. Well, I'm so glad you had some time to talk to us today. Of course. Uh, for our audience uh, who may not be familiar with Richard, uh, Richard is uh, a pioneering recording artist, uh, producer, performer, author, and many of you might remember him as the, uh, the frontman for the Bongos, which was a seminal new wave band that ignited the uh, Hoboken indie music scene back in the 1980s. And after the band broke up, Richard has, uh, went on to kind of launch the 
chamber pop music with the solo work. And the decades that have followed, Richard has been uh, producing countless studio recordings, and he's worked with so many artists, including people like Dion, Sean Lennon, Donovan, Moby, Lou Reed, even recorded a Pete Seeger song with Beach Boy Al Jardine. I worked with Pete Seeger oh, as well. You, Let me just interrupt you. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. I have probably worked with just about everybody over the course I, of the I, year. I happened to do a track with Al Jardine, but that was because uh, it was a, a special project that Al wanted to do. And... You know, the Beach Boys were first a folk group, right. and the people don't really understand that, but when they first started writing surf music, they were, they were folk songs about surfing. It was a, it, they, were, they were really a Kingston Trio cover band at first. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know that, actually. I, I, and so Al came to me and wanted to do uh, a Seeger song, so we recorded If I Had a Hammer, uh, the Hammer song, uh, very spontaneously, and it was so much fun. Yeah. There's a video on YouTube that people can see. Uh -huh. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, uh, your most recent album, which I guess came out in 2016, is the album Sorrows and Promises, which yeah. is really a, a look back at Greenwich Village in the 1960s, the, the amazing singer-songwriter scene, and, and not just the folk scene, but there was really songwriters of uh, just about every, every genre that really blossomed in, that, in the village. How did that album come to be? I mean, it seems almost like a, a departure from your, your, your previous work. And yet it's not, because even the bongos, I mean, it's all based on folk music. The bongos were folk rock. Right. Um, the story of Greenwich Village and that music scene that I'm paying tribute to on Sorrows and Promises um, was important historically for a lot of reasons. One, it, it was the first time, and it was because of the folk revival of Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and, and those who followed soon after, uh, there was uh, a movement among young writers to write their own songs that were inspired by those. And it was the first time in history that all, our, all the artists in this area where I live, in this several blocks around Washington Square Park, all of them started writing their own songs. It was like an army of songwriters. It had never happened before. Uh, the music industry, it turned the music industry on its head because now people didn't go uptown to get their songs from the Brill Building or other places. These were artists that were ready to cross over into the pop market. These were hit songs, The Love and Spoonful and, and, um, and Paul Simon and Simon and Garfunkel. These artists were to soon have hit records, but they weren't going uptown to get their songs. They were writing their own. It was a revolution in music. When I use the word revolution, I don't mean only political. Like when, I, when we call the show that I'm doing out, at Outpost and the Burbs uh, coming up, we call it music and revolution, but the revolution is wider than only political. It's partially political because people used the platform of writing their own songs to speak their minds. But the revolution is even bigger because they wrote about whatever they felt in their hearts. And by the way, I want to mention that Paul Simon, at the time he wrote Bleecker Street, was still Jerry Landis. So when we were doing the credits for this album, I was looking for the publishing. You always have to put the publishing name. And it was like I searched and searched for a Paul Simon song called Bleecker Street, which we all knew. And yet we couldn't find it until it hit me that he was still Tom and Jerry with Jerry uh, with, with uh, Art Garfunkel. They were Tom and Jerry. So he's under the name Jerry Landis for that song. Oh, that's interesting. I, I never realized that. Yes. that. That was the very first Simon and Garfunkel album when they were just all acoustic yes. or anything. Oh. I love it. I love that album. And we love that song. And it's the only one on the album that's geographically sort of uh, connotes the village. So it ends the album. And those are the that's the Kennedys joining me on that track. It's a beautiful song and a beautiful album. Thank you. Uh, the the, the, Thank the you. idea for the album, I understand it came from uh, the Columbia Verve AR director, Mitchell Cohen. Yeah. How, how did that come to be? I was performing at City Winery and uh, Mitchell was there and loved the show, but he came to me afterwards and he, it's really based on my singing style. And he thought, he had an idea for an album uh, in which one voice, one singer would sing 
a catalog of songs from this particular era. It's a very curated project. These are songs that sort of uh, ignited the singer-songwriter movement. We picked them very carefully. And they're not very topical. They're songs with very universal themes of love and uh, um, relationships and life and uh, internal motivations, things like that, like universal thoughts. So the reason is we feel these songs should be considered as part of the great American songbook. And they're often not. Mm -hmm. Like folk, folk music and the singer-songwriter movement of this era is often not treated with the respect of the Cole Porters and the Gershwins, who were also, of course, brilliant. But these are brilliant songs, too. I mean, Janice Ian, at age 14, 15, she was writing brilliant music already. And it should be, they should be credited with contributing to the Great American Songbook. So that was the impetus for making this album. It, it's grown since then. It's grown to be a wider message. It's grown to be a message about uh, self-expression and First Amendment rights to express yourself. And that's what the concerts that are based on this album have become. We're using it as a voice of and a celebration of self-expression. Yeah, I know one of the performers who is going to be with you at the uh, Outpost in the Burbs on March 29th is Eric Anderson. And a number of years ago, I interviewed him on this show, and we were talking about the whole folk revival and how the singer-songwriter movement blossomed. And his explanation was simple. He said, basically, the old songs weren't speaking to his generation, speaking about the issues that they were facing, uh, except in a peripheral way. So they had to write their own songs. And it just blossomed to this incredible uh, movement uh, of it's changed folk music and changed popular music as well. Pete Seeger said that also. Pete Seeger said, because he was doing, of course, that's the true folk, folk revival. The true folk revival were the artists who were covering the folk artists of the previous years. This ex, the folk revival then expanded into the singer-songwriter movement. Yeah. If, I'm speak, if I speak too much like a professor, please forgive me, but I am a professor of this particular subject <laughs> at the new school. That's right. I, and, did, did that come after the album? That, 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 that this, uh, yes. Very good. Yes, it did. Huh. So, so what we call the folk revival is really the weavers, and, um, you know, those artists uh, of, that, of that era. The next wave were the singer-songwriters. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, Pete Seeger said the exact same thing. He said those old songs, uh, at some point he needed to write his own. And, and like songs like, um, you know, uh, Waist Deep in the Big Muddy and these songs where they were specifically about what was happening. Sure. He had to write himself. Yeah, I've always considered folk music to be uh, a living tradition. And, you know, as, as Pete and, and Erica said, you know, it's really something that kind of reflects the community from which right. songs arise. And uh, so I think it's brilliant that you put this album together. And now this, this project, uh, Music and Revolution, Greenwich Village in the 1960s. Um, mm -hmm. I believe you did it in Central Park last year for the first time. Well, uh, for the big time, <laughs> we did a big, well, we did a big version, a larger cast. You know, it, the show can take so many different shapes and forms. I've gone on the road with uh, first Sorrows and Promises, and then it, it has evolved into Music and Revolution. All of the live shows now, most of them anyway, are called Music and Revolution. The reason is because the message, like I said, has become wider. The songs of Sorrows and Promises were more introspective. The songs of music and revolution are not necessarily introspective. Some are, and some are about topical subjects and, and uh, what's happening in our, 
we're relating songs of that era to what's maybe similar now. Mm -hmm. So it's become a wider message, and that's why the title has changed. When we did Central Park in August, um, it was a fantastic cast that included um, uh, John Sebastian and, and uh, Melanie and um, Jesse Colin Young and uh, Jose Feliciano and Maria Maldauer and, and Happy Trom and David Amram and such a great bunch of, uh, of artists that were from the era and mingled with younger artists as well. It was a three-hour concert. And that uh, was a large-scale version. But it doesn't need to be that. And folk music can take different forms. It can be big concerts or it can be very private, small events. Uh, the Outpost and the Burbs show on the 29th of March is a, it's sort of a hybrid. It's both. It's intimate and it's a, it's a tight ensemble. And yet it's a big it's a big ensemble with Eric Anderson and the Kennedys and Jeffrey Gaines, who I adore, and Tammy Faye Starlight, who has this very special role in this show, and myself and Steve Adabo, and Glenn Mercer of the Feelies, one of my favorite bands from New Jersey, uh, very guitar-oriented and very uh, creative. And this, mix, this particular cast bring, will bring these songs to life in a unique way, which is what, this is what keeps the music alive, is reinterpretation, not changing it but just uh, maybe feeling it slightly differently. Like when we do turn, 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 we use, we base it on our, on the birds version, but we expand it and it's a beautiful, it's almost like a group piece. You know, when I first saw Pete perform that, Pete Seeger, uh, he had just the whole audience sing it. Mm. We encourage that at the Music and Revolution shows. We encourage the audience to participate and sing with us. And this, the messages of the songs resonate in the room when people sing with us. You know, Pete was always about having everyone sing with him. Absolutely. And I, I keep that spirit. He was one of my mentors, and I got to produce um, one of his last singles, which was called, uh, called God's Counting on Me, God's Counting on You. You can find it on YouTube. You can find the whole recording session as a video. It's his only music video, actually, where it's actually uh -huh. a music video, planned to be a music video, that he allowed us to do uh, for that song. Uh -huh. It's, and it's recorded live on the Clearwater, on the boat. Yeah, we've, we've played that song many times on this show. It's, oh, it's a powerful, great. Powerful song. In one of his later songs, 2012, and a beautiful song. Uh, but yes, uh, so, you know, I try to remember what he taught me. And a lot of it is about people singing. So we encourage our audiences to sing with us. You're talking about the spirit of revolution. One of the songs that you recorded was a Phil Oaks song, uh, When I'm yes. Done. What did, what did Phil Oaks mean to you? And why was this song in particular chosen? Because obviously somebody like Phil had so many different songs. Yes. he And I do more than that in the shows. But in fact, uh, I consider Phil Oaks my personal patron saint of the project. Well, because he was a brilliant songwriter and poet, uh, but also he touched on the idea of uh, songs, of, of the musician being able to be a, a revolutionary in some way, the, the, the power of the song. He expressed that so beautifully in, in, uh, in songs that you could sing to and, and express as a singer uh, in ways that, that connect with me very deeply. So when I'm gone, I mean, it really says just in that title so much. It's like, you know, there's no place in this world where I belong when I'm gone. You know, so I guess, you know, you have to make your, your mark now. You have to speak your mind now. And uh, the immediacy of that lyric meant a lot to me. And I just, uh, I chose it immediately for this album. It's become a centerpiece. That and his song Changes became centerpieces for me. But Phil Oaks is my, definitely my patron saint of this project. 
There's no place in this world where I'll belong when I'm gone And I won't know the right from the wrong when I'm gone You won't find me singing on this song when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here Oh, and I won't feel the flowing of the time when I'm gone All the pleasures of love will not be mine when I'm gone My pen won't pour a lyric line when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here And I won't breathe the bracing air when I'm gone And I can't even worry about my cares when I'm gone Won't be asked to do my share when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here Suffer from the pain when I'm gone Can't say who's to praise and who's to blame when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here Won't see the golden of the sun when I'm gone And the evenings and the mornings will be one when I'm gone Can't be singing louder than the guns when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here All my days won't be dances of delight when I'm gone And the signs will be shifting from my side when I'm gone Can't add my name into the fight when I'm gone So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here And that was When I'm Gone, a Phil Oak's song sung by our guest Richard Barone that appears on Richard's albums Sorrows and Promises. And Richard will be at the uh, uh, Outpost in the Burbs on Friday, March 29th, uh, with an all-star cast presenting Music and Revolution in Greenwich Village in the 1960s. Uh, Richard, we, we talked a bit about the village and how it became such a, a, a focal point, an epicenter for uh, great songwriters, but what, why did it stop? Uh, it seemed that many of these artists moved out to California or other places in the country. What happened? <laughs> there, there was a migration to California, that's true. Uh, and the Woodstock area, you know, um, 
It's hard to pinpoint except that the nature of art and the nature of life is constant change and movement. And that it was, I, I don't think there was any real reason, maybe perhaps uh, the idea that when it first started, it was a grassroots movement. And then it became something that had uh, business involved with it, things like that. There are all kinds of aspects that might have changed it. It didn't change it for me. I moved to Greenwich Village. I've been here since, the, since 1984. To me, it's a creative, um, it's a, a well of creativity for me. I live on the same block as the Village Vanguard, which has been there since the Weavers played there. Uh, I, the streets inspire me. My first mentor was Tiny Tim, the ukulele player from 1960s. I met him in Florida when I was 16. It was, it was years after his success. And he told me, by, from hearing me sing and hearing my music, he said, Mr. Barone, you should be living in Greenwich Village. I was in Tampa, Florida at the time. So it stayed with me that, okay, I have to get to Greenwich Village somehow. You know, when I graduate from high school or, and college, et cetera, I have to go to Greenwich Village. That was just in my mind anyway. And he was absolutely right. Tiny Tim would tell me, Oh, Mr. Barone, John Sebastian and Bob Dylan, they walked the streets as if they were, like when he said that, they walked the streets. It was almost as if they were gods on Mount Olympus. Like he had the hell of them in such high regard as songwriters. So, you know, I, I keep, I have a magical, I get a special magical power from Greenwich Village. I don't know, I can't explain it, but I don't see it as diminished as some people might. All I can say about the migration is that people moved around. They had boyfriends and girlfriends in different places. They moved. There's so many reasons why it, lift, uh, it went from here. But I think the legacy remains. I feel the spirit of these writers when I walk my street. Um, so I, I, don't see it as, I don't see it as not being creative now. I, see it, I just see it as a continuum. It's still here. Some of the venues still exist. It's, it's financially a different world because now a lot of rich folks live around here. It used to be musicians and vagabonds. Now it is uh, often financial workers. But to me, it's still the village and the streets still inspire me. So, you know, that's just, that's me. Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about being inspired by the village. The Kennedys, who are going to be appearing on, uh, with you on March 29th, uh, they wrote a song on one of their earlier albums, an album called Half a Million Miles, called Ninth Street Billy. And it was about a little shop that was on the corner of 9th and 2nd Avenue in the East Village. And uh, as I mentioned in the liner notes, there were great piles of Tibetan and Indian fabrics and also yeah. pictures of Coltrane and Hendrix on the walls. But they, they said they went there mainly because of the, the wonderful wisdom that the owners imparted, uh, Billy and Jane. So let's play right now from the Kennedys, a song called Ninth Street Billy. Street Billy knows it all He shares his wisdom free If you need a good word or a fine silk shawl Billy is the man to see He can pull down a song from the middle of the air Call out the spirits over Tompkins Square Roll Dine Street Billy, the guru of Eastside Soul Street Billy knows the tunes And we all call his little shop home When he plays his guitar in the late afternoon Singing on my name, Padme Om He can pull down a 
song from the middle of the air Call out the spirits over Tompkins Square Oh, Nine Street Billy, the guru of Eastside Soul Ninth Street Billy from the Kennedys from an album Half a Million Miles. The, Cat, the Kennedys are just one of a number of amazing artists that are going to be appearing on Friday, March 29th at the Outpost in the Burbs for a program that is being called Music and Revolution, Greenwich Village in the 1960s. It's hosted by Richard Barone, who's our guest today. Uh, Richard, you, you, you were talking so eloquently about the village um, but do, do, do you think that, that there will ever be another renaissance of this kind of music in, in the city? Uh, it, you said it inspires you, but now with so many uh, you know, people being priced out of apartments, uh, it's not really the artist commune that it used to be for even back to the 1920s when there were so many great writers and, and painters that, that, that frequented the village. But do you think it yeah. still it inspires you? Do you think it's still inspiring others? Well, I think it could. And I think that it's, it was something we're working on. I'm on the board of uh, governors for the Grammys, the Recording Academy. And it's something that we actually are working on as far as making or asking uh, the city of New York to allow certain artist spaces. I think it can be uh, rejuvenated. I think in Europe, this happens. There are artists, uh, places where artists can mingle and 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 gather uh, that, in, that inspires creativity. I try to do it with this different series that I do with Village Nights at the Washington Square Hotel, which is right on Washington Square, and also my series Loft Party at City Winery. These, these series that I do are meant to gather artistic people, whether they're filmmakers and, and uh, like you said, writers. Uh, that, that's what happened in the 60s. It wasn't just the musicians. The musicians were also inspired by journalists and photographers and filmmakers and you know, Andy Warhol's scene with the artist, that was a very big influence on people, even like Eric Anderson. Eric did music for Andy Warhol's films, some of them. And, you know, he was playing acoustic folk songs with, you know, the imagery was, was uh, the, uh, the juxtaposition sometimes. The idea is that the arts can mingle and inspire each other. It's like, it's not just music. 
music can be inspired by visual arts. And in the 60s, there was a very high level of that. There was a high level of of, of novelists hanging out with the musicians and all of these ideas were, and you know, as you know, Bob Dylan and, you know, the poets and he loved uh, Allen Ginsberg, et cetera. These different disciplines inspired each other. I'm trying to do that here in the village myself in my own way and uh, trying to put together people who uh, are creative in their own fields to inspire each other. You know, but yes. So yes, it, things can happen. Anything can happen. Sure. And there are new clubs, new places to play that are springing up. I know Rockwood's been around for a couple of years now, but that's become sort of a center for music as well. And I, I, I hopefully, I hope you're right. I hope it will continue because uh, it means so much. I mean, you mentioned Andy Warhol. I remember years ago, I was at the bottom line, which is unfortunately no longer there, stopped into Tower Records, and I'm sitting there going through some LPs at the time. And who walks in but Andy Warhol and his troupe? And, you know, you, know, you can't see that anywhere else. And I, I imagine, though Andy's not with us, there's still yeah. that feeling in the village. That and well, yes, 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 yes. And you know, Andy Warhol was a big music fan. Of course, he he managed and produced the Velvet Underground, who were very idiosyncratic. They were part of this scene also. And I do Sunday Morning on the album. Uh, they're not always considered folk, but if you really look at the roots of the songs, it's right. It's just right across town. I mean, it's like the the more the uh, slightly more West Village would have been the jug band sound or the more organic acoustic sounds. And then, you know, a little more East with these electric sounds. And that also added to the color of the creativity that we talked about. Like why, why was there such creativity? Well, there were, everyone was allowed to express their music in whatever way they wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do in music and revolution. We take a wider, uh, a wide look at what was happening in Greenwich Village. And there's a lot of folk music. Sure. There's a lot, because that's what was driving the boat was folk music. But yet then the folk took different colors, like with electric guitars, that was the new thing then. And, you know, there were other things coming into it that mixed. And Pete Seeger always loved that. Like when I, when I played with Pete, he often in, uh, encouraged me to play my electric guitar because he liked the sound with the acoustic, you know? Uh -huh. So, you know, it's, there's, there's so many colors of the sound that was coming out of Greenwich Fields in the 60s. In Music and Revolution, we try to show as much of it as we can. Uh, it's a very acoustic show. It's a folk show, but we try to show some different colors and aspects of that music. Well, you, one of the gentlemen who was going to be performing with you is Eric Anderson, who I think is an yeah. inspiration to so many. So I want to play one of his songs right now. In fact, you covered the song also on your album, but we're going to hear uh, Eric's version of it right now, and uh, we'll save yours for another week. Okay. But here's Eric Anderson with Close the Door Lightly When You Go. Turn around Don't you whisper at my name for like a breeze It might stir a dying flame on someone If it eases you to know Close the door lightly when you go Oh, who was the one your tears someone else's eyes 
just a made of glass And they cut like wounding lies memories They drift in like the snow Just close the door lightly when you go Oh, who was the one that stole my mind? And who was the one that robbed my time? Oh, who was the one that made me feel unkind? It's fairly well now, sweet love of mine. And don't look back. Where you once had been, look straight ahead When you're walking through the rain and find the light When the path is dark and cold And close the door lightly when you go Turn around Don't you whisper on my name For like a breeze It might stir a dying flame On me someone If it eases you to know And close the door lightly When you go Close the door lightly when you go Please close the door lightly when you go And that was Eric Anderson, Close the Door Lightly When You Go. Eric Anderson will be appearing on March 29th uh, at Music and Revolution, Greenwich Village in the 1960s, an event that's taking place at the Outpost in the Burbs in Montclair, New Jersey. And it's being hosted by Richard Barone, who we're talking about right now. Um, a great assembly of, of artists that you've got for this. Eric Anderson, Steve Adabo, Jeffrey Gaines, the Kennedys, Glenn Mercer, Tammy Faye Starlight. Uh, there's also a woman by the name of Mary Lee Cortez who's going to be opening the show. Yes. yes. What, what is she doing? Is it a, a book called Dreaming of Dylan? Well, you know, she's, she, for years she's been doing Dylan catalog. She, was, she, did, she did a version of Blood on the Tracks as a woman singing it, which is a beautiful record. But her latest project is a book called Dreaming of Dylan, which is pe- uh, people have sent, sent her their dreams of Bob Dylan that they've had. <laughs> so her, she'll be reading from that book and then doing some Dylan songs as well. Oh, how intriguing. But- and it is, it is. And, you know, I want to mention something about Dylan, too, is that, you know, when I uh, made this album and when I wrote the, cor- the syllabus for the course that I teach, I tried to not put too much emphasis on Bob Dylan only because he already receives so much attention and it's okay because he's a genius mm-hmm. we know that but you know i wanted to also shine a light on phil oaks and eric anderson and so many others that came up at the same time however you really can't deny his power and his influence and so um we do in the show we do some dylan songs and, and jeffrey gaines especially one of the artists on the bill does a great job of interpreting dylan you know because his songs to me are sketches of what can be. He seems to, in his, in his vocal delivery, he seems to just give you the material to work with, to make your own version. That's why there's so many covers of Dylan's songs. Sure. They seem especially 
like um, you know coverable or interpret. <laughs> so, uh, so we do that in the show. I don't overdo it because, like I said, I want to show Janice Ian. I want to show, you know, uh, Richard and Mimi Farina. I mean, Richard Farina's lyrics were brilliant, you know. So the, we want to show the brilliance of all of the writers. But it's nice to be able to do the Dylan songs. We open with Mary Lee Cortez doing, doing uh, The Dreams of Dylan. Because it seems appropriate. I, I thought that would seem appropriate for this event. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. It's so exciting. If, again, for our listeners, it's going to be taking place on Friday, March 29th at the Outpost in the Burbs, which is located in the First Congregational Church at 40 South Fullerton Avenue in Montclair, New Jersey. You can find out more information by going to their website, Outpost in the burbs.org. Um, Richard, do you, are you going to be doing any more of these shows or, or do you have anything else yes. in the future? Yeah, it comes around. You know, I've got, we've got some big plans for the, for music and revolution in different places, not always in this area because we take it on the road and go to different cities, but people can always go to richardbarone.com and uh, click on shows and you'll see where, where I'm coming. I do, like I said, a few series. These are based on music and revolution, uh, village nights and Love party, both, uh, those those series uh, that I uh, do regularly, a monthly or so in New York. Um, and I'm working on a big event for November 1st, but I can't talk about it yet, but it's a very big, a very big event at Town Hall. So you might want to oh, save the date. Okay. No- November 1st at Town Hall, New York City. I'll mark that down. I know what it is, but I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, Richard, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And uh, I pleasure. wish you uh, all the success for the, not only this show, but all the other wonderful events and pro- pro- projects that you're working on. Um, any recordings coming up? Any follow-ups or anything to this album? Or Oh, yeah. I'm working on a new project now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, great. You know, whenever I can get in, I love being in the studio. I've been recording all my life and I love uh, the, what we can do in the recording studio. So I'm, I'm always in and out and I'm recording some new tracks for a follow-up album. Yes. Wonderful. Well, Richard, we're going to end our little uh, visit today with uh, another, one of my favorite songs from your, your CD. Cause I just love this man, John Sebastian. Oh yeah. He, he, uh, he, he was actually, we talk about revolution. I mean, he started out, he wanted to create an electric jug band, which I know. Spoonful. And uh, you do a nice version of uh, a really nice version of, did you ever have to make up your mind? And uh, I guess you got Mr. Sebastian to, uh, to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he played harmonica and he also plays the part of the father uh, on that, on that lyric, you know, uh, he reads the line or so, <laughs> but it's a wonderful, it was a wonderful, we went up to Woodstock to record that with him. Uh, and it was a great session. He's so much fun. He did. He has joined us on some of these shows, so it's great. Oh well, I hope we'll get to see him one of these days soon. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Richard, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, again, all the success in the world. Thank you. We'll see you at Outpost in the Burbs on the 29th of March. Did you ever have to make up your mind? Pick up on one and leave the other behind. Not often easy and not often kind Did you ever have to make up your mind? Did you ever have to finally decide? Say yes to one and let the other one ride So many changes and tears you must hide Did you ever have to finally decide? Sometimes there's one with big blue eyes Cute as a bunny We'll head out of here and plenty of money And just when you think she's that one in the world Your heart gets stolen by some mousy little girl And then you know you better make up your mind Pick up on one and leave the other behind It's not often easy and not often kind 
Make up your mind 